And if you remember, we're talking about the end. Uh, the end of our, not just our life, but the end of this world, this age. Uh, as, as scripture says, when Christ returns, that's the end. Time as we know it will be no more. There's no more chance when Jesus returns to say, oh, Jesus, let me do this first. When he returns, it's, it's the end game, right? So uh, in the first Thessalonians, Jesus, uh, Paul was clear about the details of how when Jesus appears, first those who have died already in Christ will be resurrected, and we too will meet him midair. We're going to rise. I don't, whether you're driving the church minivan uh, or you're playing tennis all the, or golf, all of a sudden when Jesus comes, you're going to rise and meet him in the air, and you'll come down, and then you will see from today, Paul adds more detail on what, hap- what else happens in the end when Jesus returns. And it's interesting because most of these letters, uh, he wrote them like, you know, once in a while. But the interesting thing is, 2 Thessalonians, he wrote it just a few months after 1 Thessalonians. That's really rare because back then, these letters cost a lot of money, not because the materials, but also to send it and to make sure it's sent. So what happens is after Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians, he's like, wait, I heard of other issues that you guys are having about the end times. You need to have more details. It was an urgent letter. I'm sure you've all done that. You've sent the email, and you realize you forgot, and you put PS, blah, 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 and you add more details. It's kind of like that. What happens in 2 Thessalonians today, as we read in our scriptures, is that some people also had another question, right? The first Thessalonians, their question was, what happens if you're waiting for Jesus, and then you, you die before he returns? Do I miss his return? No, Paul reminds them, no, you're going to be resurrected. And then now Paul is saying, some people are saying to you, and they're telling them a rumor, a lie, that Jesus already happened, right? He returned. I'm sure that you may have maybe heard, even Jesus said, before he returns, many people will come and say, I am the returned Christ. I am the risen Christ. I'm the the one that's come back. But this is what Paul says today. He adds some important details that you and I don't have to be worried about what's going to happen in the end. He, He tells you, before it happens. He says this, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will come, will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. So how do I know if Jesus has returned yet or not, right? Because what if we miss and then he's like not coming back and we're just like wasting our time and our, our life? No. It says that before he returns, the rebellion is going to happen and the man of lawlessness will be revealed. The word lawlessness uh, in, the, in the Greek means, no, it means without law. It means basically one who sins, the man of disobedience, right? This is another word for what, we, what many people call as the Antichrist, as the Antichrist, right? This is a man, as we're going to find out, let's describe, let's see the detail on this man. Who is this guy? So that we will understand he will be revealed. Nobody is going to be guessing when Jesus comes back. Oh, who is the Antichrist? It will be very clear. And obviously the rebellion is talking about, uh, as we see later in Revelation, that the nations and all the religions have come together to say, this is the way that is opposed to Jesus Christ. So these things will become very prevalent before we see Jesus returning. He continues by saying this. This is what the Antichrist will do. He will oppose and he will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped. So that he himself sets up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. He's going to oppose the work of Jesus Christ. He's going to oppose, uh, oppose the church. He's going to exalt himself to the point of saying that he himself is God. Okay. 
And then uh, Paul talks about the secret power of this lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he's taken out of the way. So there's so this Antichrist, uh, the power of this uh, movement is already at work right now. As we'll see in scripture, Antichrist is not coming later. His power, his, his empire, his kingdom, his army is already at work. But then this secret, this person that we don't know exactly, but I'm sure it's either an angel or, you know, the power, of, power that God has set apart, is holding him back. So when Jesus' return is near, we will get to know who is the Antichrist, who is this man doomed to destruction. But the good news is this, right? It says, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The, the, the importance of the Antichrist is he's just simply a, a marker, a kind of a, a preview of what's going to happen. It's the return of Jesus, how he's going to destroy all of wickedness, all of injustice, all of darkness, all of pain and sin. For once, he'll bring it to judgment and we will see Jesus and ourselves and the kingdom of God in the full display of his glory. It's going to be amazing. Revelation, in fact, the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus. It's not the revelation of, you know, all these bad things that's going to happen in the world. It's our anticipation of seeing Jesus again. So even, you know, uh, so my prayer is this, that as we begin to think about the end times, I pray that more than anything, you'll be ready, right? Because it would be really, really sad if we've tried so hard to love God and then in the end realize, man, I missed it. Or, man, I didn't somehow, you know, get to be part of, you know, Christ's return in the right way. So let's talk about that today. <clears throat> Paul asked the question, you know, to the, to the Thessalonians, don't you remember that I was telling you about all of these things, right? Because part of, the, part of being a Christian, right, is important to know the gospel by knowing that Jesus died on the cross and that he resurrected. That's very, very important. That, that is the central part of our message. But what Paul is saying is this, didn't I remind you that as I was sharing Jesus with you, I talked about his return. Many of us as Christians, if we receive Jesus, right, we know he died on the cross for my sins, and I know that I have the hope and the promise and the power of resurrection to be a new creation, to be born again as a child of God. But if I am not mindful of his return, our faith is not complete. Our faith is going to be misguided. So look at these verses, and these are some of the verses that Paul repeats. And let me, let, me, uh, let me see if you can kind of find out what is the repeated phrase that Paul mentions in these verses. So in 1 first, in first Thessalonians chapter 2, he says, For you know that we dealt with each of you as, as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who called you into his kingdom and glory. Colossians 1 verse 9, it says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Philippians 1, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So you could probably tell, yes, it's the phrase he keeps repeating. In every letter of Paul, who is teaching, who is literally, you know, raising up churches, helping nations of people come to know Jesus Christ, he's always reminding them to live a life worthy of God. Why? 
Because after you have received him, after you have been resurrected with Christ and you have been risen in the, uh, to heavenly places, seated with Christ in heavenly places, after your sinful nature has been crucified and you're free, now you're looking to be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Sometimes when we forget that, we live our lives regardless. And it's like we take the blessing of God and we simply live it apart from God's will. Again, he repeats in Ephesians chapter 4, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Again, in 2 Thessalonians, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. Now that we know that we know that our sins our sinful nature has been crucified with Christ. We're now children of God. It is time for us to live all of our lives worthy of what? The calling of what is this? Of heavenward, of seeing Jesus Christ. The moment that you will be standing before Jesus face to face in judgment. My question to us is, is your life worthy of that moment? Here is the good news. Paul reminds us in the letter of Thessalonians, these people were people who had so much faith, as we know, they were under heavy persecution and they were in poverty, but they, but they continued their faith. They fought against the persecution, stayed faithful to God and were generous. They were giving from the little they had to all the other churches. But one of the things that they were not so sure about was about the second coming of Jesus. But this is what, the, what Paul reminds them. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. What is God trying to do right now in your life is to get you ready for that time, right? That everything you're doing right now is going to be worthy, made a reward, blameless, as Paul says. Other words to say is to sanctify you, right? It's to purify you. It's to transform you so that when Jesus returns, whether it is in your time or after you're resurrected from the dead because you died before his return, you will be blameless and worthy of Jesus. Something that all of us as Christians have to confess is this, that all of us, every day, we are, after receiving the grace of God, being transformed and changed by the Holy Spirit. Did you experience this power of God that is sanctifying you this week? Did you feel the Lord working in you to transform you and to change your nature to help you be worthy of the calling to be in heaven with Christ when he returns? Is your life right now ready for this time in your life? In our passage, how the, Paul asks, gives us the clue of how we can be ready, right? In fact, just you know, turn to your neighbor real quick and ask them, are you right now worthy of his return? Ask them the question. Are you living in a way, are you ready for his return? Just ask them the question. Yeah, just look them in the eyes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, all through the scripture, right, every Christian, right, I know I love God because of what he did, because of who he is. He died on the cross, and I, and I experienced this new life. And the next thing is, I am now living all of my life for that moment because I don't want to be found not worthy 
of that time, right? I don't want to be found missing out, not, not ready for that moment. So here, I'm going to give you guys, uh, according to our passage, how can you be found ready, right? There is a way that you will know for sure, yes, Pastor Ingram, I am ready for that moment. And this is how I can be sure that I am worthy, that I'll be found worthy at the end of that moment. Here it is in our passage. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it talks about two powers that are at work in your life. Just two. And when you know which power is at work within you, you know that if I'm going to make it or I'm not going to make it. Okay, here it is. The first power that Paul talks about in chapter, in verse 7, he calls it the power of lawlessness already at work. As I mentioned throughout the scripture, in many books in the Bible, it says the Antichrist spirit is already at work. It's not coming later. It's already in the work of producing, you know, of, of mobilizing people, of, of, of gathering power and wealth for certain kind of work that is going to oppose Jesus Christ, okay? There is that power already at work. The second power, as we mentioned today, is a sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. The word work here is the word energetai, right, where we get the word energy, right? It's a supernatural energy influence that's happening in your life either the power of lawlessness is working in you or either the power of the sanctifying work of the holy spirit is working in you which one is at work in you is a question i want you to think about and i want you to think about every day okay because it's only two there's no other force right it's it's like no one is exempt from this either either the power of the sin of the antichrist spirit the world is working you working and, and and working you yeah working you and controlling you or you are being living in the power of the holy spirit there's not a third option that's the truth okay so just like the Thessalonians uh there as Christians you can know very clearly you need to know discern i know exactly which power is at work inside of me? I like to describe it kind of like this. Uh, one of these powers, I don't have to tell you which one, you can kind of guess. One of these powers is kind of like when you're in the ocean and you're, you know, kind of like, uh, I don't know if you ever experienced this, you put your towel and you're in your shoes and you go in the water and you're just, you know, enjoying the water, blah, blah, hanging out with your friends. And then when you look back, what happens? The towel and the, and the shoe is gone, right? Because why? The current, without you knowing you're just chilling in the water. It's not like crazy wavy. You're just hanging, hanging in there, just spending time, just, you know, living your life. And all of a sudden, you look back, and then where you had your towel and your, and your sandal is gone. Someone didn't steal it. It's just that the water carried down so far that it's like, you know, a, a, a hundred feet or whatever down on the other side. And then you look, and you realize you're slowly headed to where the rocks are. Has that ever happened to you guys? Was it just me? Okay, I guess it was just me. Most of you guys are always aware of where I am, okay? The other, other work, the power that's working you, it really feels like you paddling, right? Just like when you're surfing or you're trying to go against the, the waves that are coming because you're trying to get to a place, or let's say you're trying to fight against the riptide so you could get back to safety. One is just automatic. One, you don't have to you know, actually like want it. It's just already happening in you. The other power is one that you feel the opposition. You feel how would I say the weights, right? You feel the work is happening in your life. You feel like you are going on the against the current is how you know which force is at work. So let me describe to you the power of lawlessness as Paul describes. Here it is. 
this is the first power of, of sin that's working in us. He says the coming of the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be in accordance with how Satan works. Yeah, so we know clearly Satan's master plan is to try to raise up uh, a people that will follow his will, right? The Antichrist system, power. And this is what it says. He will use all sorts of display of power through signs and word wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. So first thing that we see is that he's going to show power, but it's a power that leads onto a lie to deceive you. I mean, these could be, you know, wealth. This could be uh, technology, whatever things it is. These are things that make seem like, wow, this is something I need in this life. Right? I'm sure the, Jesus describes this way. Jesus, Jesus says, beware of the deceitfulness of wealth. The problem with money, right? The money is not the problem, but the money, the problem with money is Satan makes you think that money is going to be your God, right? So we know that the way that the Antichrist system works is he makes you believe that what he offers to you is going to give you salvation. We think that investing our money in this way, you know, in doing this or, or having this in your life, that that's not of Jesus Christ, that this is going to save you, right? So these are deceptions that he does. This is what Satan does, but what about the people who actually follow them? He says this, why do the people follow this, uh, this antichrist system? It seems so out outrageous. Why would you reject Jesus and follow this antichrist system? He says here, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that, God, so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be con condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. The key, the key to why this antichrist system, this power of lawlessness will, will, will control you is because if you are a person who refuses to believe in the truth of Jesus Christ and who delights in wickedness. Honestly, all of you here, I think we're here because we're fighting against this, amen? We're here because we're saying, no, 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 I'm here because I'm saying I don't want to be part of, controlled by the power of lawlessness, right? No, none of us here are people who are saying, you know what, I, I hate the truth of God. I don't care what God says, and I just want to delight in sin in my life, right? All of us, in fact, the Bible says this is how you once lived, but Jesus Christ has delivered you. So here it is. What about the work of the Holy Spirit, the opposite side? How would I know the sanctifying work of the Spirit? He says this. Paul describes it like this. He says, but we ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Here is a very important summary of how do I know that the Holy Spirit is working in me. That he's the one leading me out of danger. He's the one, even though it is difficult at times, he's the one pulling me. He's the one saying, no, 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 I want you to be found worthy because you are created in my image. He says, number one, is God cho he chose you to be saved. In fact, everyone, right, everyone that you know, the truth is this, God chose them to be saved, right? But how come not everybody has accepted? How come we still know people who are still right now not believing the truth in Jesus, People who are saying, I refuse to love God and I'm going to delight in my wickedness. How can we still have brothers and sisters, parents and friends who, are, who even though God chose them, they have rejected? Here it is. The way that the work, Holy Spirit works in you is twofold. He says, you'll be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here to help you. He's here to help you paddle through the current. 
It's not by your own power. He's the one who's leading you. He's the one that's leading you to the ways so that you will be delivered. You will not be held as a captive of sin. But then the second thing is, to be saved requires the work of the Holy Spirit and then through belief in the truth. The belief is a part that you get to do. God is the one pulling you, but you also have to paddle with his power because of your faith in the truth of Jesus Christ. Let me continue. He he continues by saying he called you to this salvation through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do I know that the Holy Spirit is working in me? I have a desire to share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. What it means is this. It's a fancy word to say I am every day living my life to become into the nature, the likeness of Jesus Christ. God's ultimate plan isn't just to save you as you are, but he's to save you and to transform you so that you resemble the glory of Jesus Christ. In fact, it's something he has already given to you. And then he's saying, finally, then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we have passed on to you, whether by word or mouth or by letter. So if I dilute all of these things down, right, all of these what Paul has mentioned, sometimes he's very wordy, I can bring it down to maybe something very simple for you to catch and realize, how can I discern if right now I am being worked by the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit or by the work of the anti-Christ spirit. Here it is. Another way to define the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is something you're familiar with. It's you daily growing as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And disciple of Jesus Christ is two things. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which means to give you his grace and love. The, name, the, the, the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit has been given to you through the cross. You understand that. The message has been given to you. But the second part is this, is learning to obey Jesus Christ. Like I mentioned, he's already chosen you. He's already bringing you to be ready. He longs to prepare you. He longs to transform you. But what it takes of us is your decision to say, yes, I will obey. If, I'm, if I can put it in two chart form, it looks like this. The power of the lawlessness that's working in your life, number one, is the power of Satan's deception, right? It's sometimes hard to, that's why it's, you know, when I was giving you the example of me being in the water, like I have no idea that I'm floating, you know, by the current. The current, I cannot feel it, right? A lot of times the way that the devil is working is you don't know he's working. That's why he's so difficult, right? He is slowly kind of taking over your life. He's slowly, how do I say, you know, putting his tentacles into your life. He's slowly making his plans to destroy you and make you suffer in life, and you have no idea. When, when God is working in your life, it is very clear, right? But when the devil is working in your life, you're like, huh? So the way that I sometimes know that I am not following the work of the Holy Spirit is when, when life gets just easy, and all of a sudden there's like, it's too comfortable, That's the time that I'm really afraid because that's the time I'm just being slowly drifted by the power of lawlessness. But it is coupled with Satan's deception and people's refusal to love and believe the truth. And we delight in sin, right? That's what the devil wants you to do. Satan, he's setting you up so that you will continue to not search the truth, not not love Jesus Christ, right? who is the truth, and to delight in sin, right? It makes the pleasures of the world so much better. Things that God wants to be a blessing to you, now is killing you, right? 
all the sudden, all the way, this leads you to be disobedient to God. If I can just sum up, what is the spirit of the Antichrist? It's the spirit of disobedience to God. Right? On the flip side, when the Holy Spirit is working in your life, we rely on God's choice to save you. Right? God is so good. He has done everything in his power to bless you and to save you and to uh, you know, help, have you let, let you have all of the glory that he has. He's given it to you. And that's coupled with your belief in the truth, right? your reliance on the truth, and your growing as a disciple in the new nature of Jesus Christ. To make it simple, the work of the Holy Spirit, how do I know is happening in my life? I am being obedient to God. Which force is at work in you, and which one are you living from in this life? Again, I wish this was so much clearer if the devil was like, you know, if, he, if whatever he was doing was just labeled. As a, you know, but he never comes to you straight. He always tries to influence you in the wrong way, right? You know, I have a question for you guys, and you can raise your hand. Raise your hand if, you know, your life right now, if every aspect of your life right now, post-pandemic, raise your hand if it is compared to the pre-pandemic, your life is thriving. Meaning, how many of you here, your life post-pandemic is better than before the pandemic? Raise your hand. Anybody? Anybody be like, wow, my life after the pandemic is just so, like, amazing, right? The truth is this. It is so difficult. I think all of us had an experience where we realized that this is God's moment of, how do I say, prejudgment. This is, I feel like this. I feel like why did the God allow the pandemic? It's because he helps us to see. He helped, to, he helped us to kind of uh, lift the blinders, right? The way the devil works against is through deception and blinding us. He, I think the Lord just allowed, the, allowed for a moment just to let his grip go and let the world see without a doubt that the power of lawlessness that is at work, is, it is working and it is building up to the time of the final return of Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, I think all of us through the pandemic, what happened is we had a, a big disappointment, right? All of us realized the fragility of human life, about government, economy, science. All of us are feeling, man, everything that I thought was hopeful in this life, apart from Jesus Christ, Led by human beings, man, it is failed. It is flawed. No one can be happy about that. No one is happy right now that economy is suffering, government is uh, breaking apart, science is not enough for us. In fact, Pew Research shows that right now, do you know how many percent of people trust in the government? 20%. That's the fact. It's been like that for the last 20 decades around that time, but it's continually going down. Maybe this is an opportunity for us to realize, wow, Again, I said two forces at work in us, right? Either the Holy Spirit is working in you to teach you how to be sanctified, to teach you to be worthy of that coming by teaching you how to obey his ways, or the other power is leading you towards disobedience to God, and there is no in-between. There is no other way. I wish there was. I wish there was like a pit stop to say, you know what, God, just this week, just for a day, I just want to just like take a break. I just don't want to swim, right? But we're in that current, and either you are going upstream with the power of the Holy Spirit into the life of obedience and a revival, or you are just gently and slowly, easily going down the current of destruction with the power of judgment that is coming before us. Learning to obey, that is the sign, that is the proof 
that I know that I know that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. I share this as I was uh, going through this, um, uh, this, this passage again in my life. Uh, I feel like the Lord is actually doing this in my life. And I, and I want to remind us that, you know, uh, just because you are a Christian, right, doesn't mean that, you know, at one point you can just uh, stop swimming. That's, that's the point that Paul, uh, uh, Paul wants to give to us in our passage is that unless we learn how to obey the Lord on a daily basis, we are being pressed by the power of the, of the world that wants to make us disobey Jesus Christ in our lives. Um, I, I wanted to share a few stories uh, in my life of how I learned to uh, uh, obey. In fact, when I look at my life, and I'm sure all of you guys can think of moments, uh, that the most times that, that the biggest troubles I had in life, right, that the way I overcame them, all of the, you know, the top five hardships that I've experienced, they had a common a solution, you know, without going into detail of them because they're kind of personal stories for me. In each of the hard times that came in my life, right, it was an opportunity. The only way I overcame them was when I learned how to obey the way of Jesus Christ. Learning to obey was the work that I was able to overcome all the hardships in this life. So I pray that you will take a moment today to think in your life right now, which power is at work in my life? And if you realize that the power of the Holy Spirit is not the one working in your life, we are in danger and we are not living in the way of preparing. We're not ready at this rate. We'll be so far from the return of Christ that Jesus Christ returning will have nothing. And we'll, the worst of it is we will have no idea that it has happened. So I'm, at, I'm inviting you with me to swim with Jesus, even though it is through difficulty to say, Lord, I will learn to obey. I will choose to follow you. I will choose to believe and grow as a disciple of Jesus. Let me pray for us right now. Lord, I thank you. Your promise is true. Not only have you, since the beginning of time, chosen to save us, but Lord, you are right now working in us to say, my child, I want everything you have, everything you do, everyone you know, I want all of it to count because I want you to be with me. That is the goal of this message of, of, of the Jesus Christ is that I may be one with God. And, Lord, I pray that nothing will be in the way of me, Lord God, going the way of Jesus Christ in my life. So, Father God, instead of the blessings you've given to my life, the things I have, the people in my life, instead of me uh, making it a worthless thing, make, help me to make everything count by becoming prepared for that moment of meeting Jesus Christ again. Help me today to take a moment and to say, Lord, I want to swim against the current. I want to swim against the comfort that's slowly, slowly working against, Lord Jesus, so that, Lord, I will offer to you my, 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 uh, my possessions, all of my abilities, all of the people I love. Let me offer it to you, Father God, in, in obedience to you, Father. Teach me how to obey you in every aspect of my life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the work that you're doing. Sanctify us. Help us in that one day, in that day of meeting Jesus Christ, to be found blameless because we know how to swim with you. and We know how to obey you, Jesus Christ. We know how to uh, live as a follower of Jesus Christ. So do it, Holy Spirit. Do it in all of us. I ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's